We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're part of the Blue Wire Network. This is a special live episode coming to you on Spotify Green Room. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. I'm here, as always, with Jason Patton. Jason, we just watched the Bulls pull off a ridiculous comeback victory at home against the Los Angeles Clippers. 135-130 in overtime. The headliner, who else but DeMar DeRozan, finishes with 50 points on the night, 17 of 26 shooting, went 14 of 15 from the foul line. Of course, that one miss forced overtime, but DeMar rose to the occasion once again in the extra period. I believe he had 10 points in OT. Correct me if I'm wrong. These numbers are still coming. Uh, Some big plays down the stretch from Patrick Williams, who I believe was scoreless through his first 20 minutes of the game. He ends up with 10 points, 12 rebounds in 37 minutes, a poster dunk, a big corner three among his highlights. Jace, the Bulls looked like they were dead and buried in this game, down 16 in the second half. Uh, it was the type of lifeless, lethargic performance that has sort of defined this team in the second half of the season. But, man, did they finally roar back to competence in the fourth quarter. And, really, it was the DeMar show all the way through. Yeah, I mean, this game, the Clippers, I guess, first of all, I named this room Bulls pull off a robbery. This was a straight-up robbery, heist, whatever you want to call it. The Clippers outplayed the Bulls for at least probably 45 minutes of this game. Uh, and they were up 10 after the first quarter. The Bulls kept, like, lingering all game. But every time the Bulls would, like, get it to, like, six or seven, Clippers would push it back out to, like, 14, 15. Their three-point shooting. Reggie Jackson was on fire all game. Marcus Morris had a big game. Uh, and it just and I think it was 11 the Bulls were down with, like, four or five minutes ago. So it looked like they were Clippers were going to cl- cruise this victory. Uh, and then the shift got weird down the stretch. DeMar goes off uh, and the weird foul stuff in that down the stretch there with the off ball foul on Terrence Mann. And then DeMar gets fouled in the three point attempt by Paul George. 
makes two or three, goes to overtime, and then DeMar dominated overtime, as you said. And Patrick Williams, obviously a huge story in this game uh, because of uh, the big big plays he made. I think he did not take a shot in the first half. So it was kind of just like more of the same where invisible. I, I know Casey did a hit on during the half or after halftime talking about how uh, Pat, just the aggressiveness, the aggressiveness, the same story with him, just he's not doing enough offensively. Like he's playing fine defensively, doing all that, but not making enough of an impact on offense. And then finally we get the, we get the, the hammer dunk. I think he made his first shot was a corner three. He made that. Then the hammer dunk right after that. On his, I think that was on Hartenstein. And then we got the beautiful, the Bulls beat a trap for once, which is really nice. Finding Caruso in the middle of the court and Pat cuts the rim, gets a dunk out of that. And then the huge three-pointer from the corner uh, in overtime. Pat played a ton of – I think he played almost 40 minutes in this game. Billy show, Billy's showing a ton of faith in him finally. Like Pat, uh, he had shown a bit more in, the, in that Wizards game. And I wrote about this at Forbes about just like trying to figure out how to find that role for Patrick Williams as he works his way back. And because he just hadn't been doing that much, he showed a bit against the Wizards. And now he showed more in the second half and in overtime against the Clippers. That's the kind of stuff we need to see from Pat. He's obviously never going to be a high-usage guy, but just be uh, doing what he did, taking advantage of open threes, cutting to the basket. The rebounding today was great. I think he, you said he had, what, 12 rebounds today, which is great. Because coming in, I think he was only at, like, two or three rebounds a game. Uh, so just get – obviously, like, DeMar was awesome. But I think Pat is honestly the biggest story from this game because DeMar has been awesome all year. But Pat playing like this helps take push the Bulls to a, a bit of a different level – uh, because they, they've been struggling so much. And, and we know DeMar had been kind of slowing down. But a lot of the other role guys have been slowing down as well. And, I mean, Io is still starting. Uh, he has been struggling. He I think he really struggled tonight. I think he was like a minus 17. He, his shooting has really come back to earth. And we just kind of saw some of the impact that Pat made with his size, with playing defense, and then finally doing some stuff on offense. So I think the Pat thing is almost as big of a story as DeMar tonight. Yeah, I mean, Pat was great uh, down the stretch, no doubt. It was also really frustrating to watch him in the first 20 minutes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) It was a lot of the same passivity we've seen throughout his career so far. I had a meme. You know that meme of, like, a guy going to a party and, like, everyone else is making out and it's just, like, (laughs) a dude in the door? I was going to tweet that and say they don't even know I'm Patrick Williams because that's how inactive he was. It felt like he was going out there and getting his cardio. But then I feel like the block on was it Zubak or Hartenstein? Yeah. Oh yeah, he blocked him, and then Hartenstein and then he got dunked on him the next. Play. I think that was I think that was Zubak. I think Zubak got him. So yeah, I feel like that sort of woke him up. Yeah. It was great to see Pat making some decisive moves, and don't forget there was another play down the stretch too, where like Pat almost had the play read perfectly for what and he was whiffed. a breakaway yeah. dunk, and like the ball seemed like it went through him. It legitimately looked like a glitch in two K that you would see, but uh, <laughs> great for Pat to like get those minutes down the stretch. You know, Kobe and Io were both on the bench. They went with Pat. They needed a little bit more size up front, and on a night when it seemed like. Everyone was playing hesitant for the first three quarters. Pat really just established himself in the final frame and in OT by playing with aggression, looking for his own offense, making smart cuts, and being where he needed to be defensively in terms of the rotation. So I thought it was a great performance from Pat. I still don't know if we can count on that type of effort from right. Pat. Yeah, prove it. Night. Yeah. So to me, the story of the game is still DeRozan. 
DeRozan, first of all, is this his highest scoring game of the year with 50? I just assume yes. it's right. Yeah. So I mentioned this on the last podcast we did, but the biggest reason, in my opinion, that the Bulls have been struggling in March from where they were in February, there's plenty of reasons for it. But DeRozan had really seen his level of play drop. In February, obviously, he was on a historic tear. For the month, he averaged 34.5 points a game on 63% true shooting. In March, this was obviously, this is a March 31st game, so this was coming into tonight. For the month, DeRozan was averaging 25.8 points a game on 53.5% true shooting. So it was the first month all year where he was scoring at a below league average rate in terms of efficiency. He was still putting up numbers, but he just wasn't as impactful. But we've seen DeMar rescue the Bulls down the stretch time and time again. I swear, Jason, I want to see a stat for this fourth quarter in overtime. Did DeMar have more points or total passes? Because when he was getting the one-on-one coverage, no one else was touching the ball. I mean, this was just the straight-up DeMar show. I could see how that could get frustrating for everyone else. because they like, weren't really. I feel like they weren't really doubling him that much. Until they, they, they obviously did a little bit, the play I mentioned with Caruso finding Pat. Yeah. I feel like they were not doubling him that much. They were trying to play him straight up. I was going to get to that. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, the... The biggest thing we've seen from February to March is at the end of February, teams started trapping DeMar every time he crossed half court. Tyloo didn't really do that with the Clippers today, and DeRozan just so consistently beats one-on-one coverage. It's unbelievable. The dude's been abusing switches on, you know, bigger players who he has a speed advantage against all season. He's been bullying smaller players when he gets the switch, and he's able to shoot over the top of them. And this was just vintage DeMar, dude. I mean, this line is absolutely incredible. 50 points on 17 of 26 shooting, going 14 of 15 from the foul line, and he had six assists. Now, I do think that, uh, you know, it was generally the type of game where, like, you were – I said this last podcast, like, live by DeMar, die by DeMar, right? And in this game, he was just totally up for the task to will them to a victory, uh, you just hope it can continue down the stretch because he had a pretty rough month in March. But, man, it feels good to see him have this type of performance with, you know, a week and a half before the playoffs. Yeah, he was also plus 19. Obviously, single game plus minus can be wonky. But, like, Mar nice. being plus 19 absolutely made sense. He was awesome. You talk about him just, like, beating everybody. I think it was it overtime where he just drove past Nick Batum and just dunked on his head. I mean, just ridiculous play. Awesome. Just yeah, looking at this box score, DeMar just all across the board was awesome. Caruso plus 15. We have a comment here about Kobe asking about Kobe White from UE Abbey about Kobe White's defense. Kobe did not shoot well today, but I thought tonight and going back to the Wizards game, I thought he has battled defensively and Kobe was also like a plus 17 tonight. I thought he's at least when Kobe's at least trying like that and not letting his shooting struggles like get to his head. Uh, even though he shot only one of seven from three, he did do well inside the arc. He was four or five on twos. Uh, like I said, plus 17. I thought he was battling defensively. I thought he battled against the Wizards as well. So it was nice to see the Bulls get some bench contributions. Kobe was solid outside the three-point shooting. We talked about Pat. Tristan Thompson, I thought, was playing decently well outside of him trying to do way too much offensively when he gets the ball in the post. Just like, enough, enough of that, Tristan. Just... Crash the glass, do that kind of stuff. No, 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 enough of your like hook shot bullshit. But getting the stuff from the bench was nice. Demar was obviously great, and it made up for a very. Uh, Zach Levine was pretty bad tonight. He did get was able to still get I think like twenty one or twenty two points based off basically mostly free throws, but he did not shoot well. Uh, a mostly poor game for him tonight. But 
The other guys stepping up, and Vooch had like 22 and 14. Vooch started hot. He had like those first eight points, kind of cooled off, but then they started going back to him down in the post more. They really do need to, and we talked, I think we talked about this in our last pod, that they they need to make sure Vooch keeps getting touches because uh, they just can't go away from it. It can't be just Damar, and Damar was awesome tonight, and he obviously did carry them, but Vooch also had some big baskets. I think he had a big three in the fourth quarter, uh, and he had some post touches as well where he scored. Need to keep Vooch involved, and he ended up having, I think, what was it, I think 22 and 14, a really solid game for him as well, so uh, nice to see contributions from, while Damar had 50, some other guys too. Yeah, I think that, you know, Levine's health status really seems like it's just a game-to-game situation. Yeah, he was bad tonight. Tonight, yeah, 5 of 17 from the field, 1 of 6 from 3. And he did get to the line 10 of 13 times. That surprises me, seeing him have that many free throw attempts. But he just wasn't attacking much, and it felt like he was just kind of floating in the game for long stretches. I really think that this comes back to the health of his knee. It's Absolutely. It's a problem facing the Bulls in the postseason. I'm going to say it might be the biggest problem facing the Bulls long term because you're about to sign Zach to this gigantic extension, which they absolutely need to do. Uh, you know, any debate over whether or not they should sign Levine to a you know max extension is ridiculous. You need him on the team going forward. But – is this knee pain going to linger for him? Because he just hasn't been the same player that we saw in 2021 when he was fully locked in and seemed to be competing at a level that could be, you know, near all NBA level. Trey Young got the starting nod in the All-Star game over him, but Levine had a really convincing case. Just hasn't been the same player uh, in terms of how often he's driving to the rim, in terms of his takeover scoring ability since the knee injury. So, when Zach is not going to be at full strength, you need DeMar to go into Superman mode like he did tonight. And, man, that was a beautiful thing to watch. Uh, if anyone else wants to jump up on stage, give us some questions, some comments, uh, Jason will let you in. I'm I'm down to have anyone else talk about this game because what a fun win, man. The Bulls needed Finally. this in the worst possible way. One of the few feel-good wins this team has had you know, since the All-Star break, maybe the only one. I guess this was probably the best win since the All-Star break. Yeah, I mean, the Raptors one was a lot of fun. They just kind of blew them out, which is really nice. But the Raptors were like, that was a weird, like, schedule loss uh, or schedule game where the Raptors were, like, dead tired. This game was a game where the Bulls, they, again, they were outplayed all night. The Clippers were playing. They played. They shot 50% overall. They made, I think, almost 50% of their threes. The Clippers played a really good game uh, offensively. And the Bulls looked dead in the water, and they they still fought. I think a lot of these games lately against good teams, and this Clippers, I know the Clippers' record is not good, but with Paul George, this Clippers team is really good. Uh, so the fact that the Bulls didn't just keel over and die, which they've done too often against so many of these good teams lately, and that they fought back and they ended up pulling this out, obviously just great to see that finally get some of that fight again that we just have not seen in a long time. we got Kevin Farragut up here. Kevin, I know that you have been down in the dumps on this Bulls team like we have lately. How are you feeling after this huge comeback victory? I mean, I I feel better than I did for most of the game. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was I was going through it. I was having a hard time. I was I, I think uh, I, I don't have the exact tweet in front of me, but I tweeted something uh, from the Dennis Podman account about how I just kind of wanted the season to be over because they were getting their ass kicked again. And I was just like, you know, I didn't see this comeback coming. Uh, 
And it just felt like it was going to be another one of those games where they got close to getting over the hump and tying it back up or, or getting a lead. Um, but they never got within like a couple of possessions and uh, they just, they just kept grinding. And uh, you know, I, I think it, you'd have to say that they got a bit lucky with the call on Terrence Mann and then uh, the, the three shot foul. I mean, the three shot foul was, you know, that was a mistake by Paul George, but um, you know, to get both the the extra when they were down three to get the the away from the ball foul call, which I thought was, um, you know, I'll, I'll take it, but it was it was pretty borderline, I thought, uh, especially for that point in the game. And then to uh, to then also uh, foul Demar while he's shooting a three pointer um, was just a, a really bonehead play by by Paul George. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it, to win a game like that, it's going to take some luck, but the Bulls haven't had very much luck lately, so I'll take it. And it feels like they're pretty close to guaranteeing that they're not going to be a play-in team, which you know I'm very happy about. I still don't have a whole lot of high hopes for the playoffs, but um, just being a team that doesn't have to fight in the play-in uh, and potentially get bounced out of the playoffs by like the, the Hornets and the, the Hawks who are playing well lately uh, is a, a win to me. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because we had not brought that up yet. Because the Bulls won tonight and the Cavs lost, they got blown out. Cavs dealing with talking about the Bulls dealing with injuries. Cavs are in hell with injuries right now with Evan Mobley, with Jared Allen still out. Uh, they've been getting just kind of crushed lately. They've been really struggling. Bulls are now three games up on them with five games to play and the tiebreaker basically locks that in. And uh, basically locks in that top six seed for the Bulls. That the Bulls will basically have to lose out, and the Cavs will have to win out. And the Cavs still have to play the Bucks and Nets left. So like this is pretty much locked in. Bulls will either finish probably fifth or sixth. Uh, obviously, all the the top four teams are just kind of a mess right now between uh, Miami, Boston, Philly lost to the Pistons tonight, and uh, the Bucks who out, the Bucks beat the Nets tonight with another huge performance by Giannis. Uh, an Philly awesome game. To the Pistons, they got their asses beat. They did. <laughs> oh, so the Sixers are are looking a bit fraudulent. And Ricky brought this up on our last pod about how maybe we want to play the Sixers because maybe they're frauds, even though the Bulls have never played, uh, uh never had never beaten Joel Embiid in, in his career. I saw Cody Westerland, our guy, talked about this. Uh, this was, this was talked about, I believe, on the NBC uh, Bulls podcast as well, but. Maybe the Bulls want to play the Sixers. How do you feel about that, Kevin? Right. Harden four fifteen tonight, by the way, and Doc Rivers threw him under the bus after the game when all the reporters were sort of questioning: Did the bench let them down in this loss to a tanking Pistons team? Rivers was like, "Well, I think it was more James than the bench." So, uh, pretty unbelievable. Now, obviously, the Sixers still have Embiid. Embiid is just a gigantic matchup problem for the Bulls. It just doesn't feel like a good matchup on the surface. Right. But, obviously. Kevin, are you are you buying a little bit more of what I'm selling on maybe we can count on Harden to age like milk in a postseason series and for Doc to choke it away? Maybe. So there, there are two things I like about this, uh, and there's one thing that I – or a couple of things that I really don't like about it. Uh, and um, so the two things that I like are James Harden is a a, a, a fraud and uh, <laughs> he looks worse all the time. Um, okay, he'll have like one or two games. Yeah, like last every, game he looked pretty handful. good against the Bucks. Yeah, like, he can like have one good game out of like three or four, 
but he ha- consistently has these games now where um, if he's not getting, you know, 10, 12, 13, 14, 15 free throws, then he's useless because he doesn't play defense. He can't score at the basket anymore. Um, and guys are a lot less scared of his drive now because he's just slower. He can't and finish. So they can, they can sit on that step back a little bit more. So that shot is more difficult for him. So there's that aspect of it. I like that. Doc is one, uh, the number one biggest uh, fraud head coach um, <laughs> of my lifetime. Uh, so I, I like that aspect of it. The things that I don't like about it, Joel Embiid, still very scary. Bulls have never ha- uh, been able to beat him. He's had our number. Um, but a lot of that, you know, is from the, the four years where the Bulls were in the wilderness. So there's some of that. And I think, honestly, a lot of the Bulls losing to the Sixers this year was the result of just them getting varianced on, on three-point shots. Like, you know, freaking Korkmaz, Georges Niang, just like all of their role guys shooting in crazy, crazy hot. From Korkmaz always kills the Bulls. Yeah. Um, and, like, some of that is just that they pay a lot of attention to Embiid, so those guys get, like, really open looks. Um, but, like, they got rid of Seth Curry, who was one of their, their really good shooters uh, that, you know, killed the Bulls um, this season. And uh, I don't know. I, I, so, so the Embiid part of it scares me. Um, potentially having to watch the the Sixers yes. for the entirety of our our playoff, like our return to the playoffs. You know, assuming that they beat us, uh, that would make me feel real bad because I, I hate watching that team. They're like, um, I've had, uh, and the, which rolls into the the third part that I don't like is dealing with uh, uh, Sixers fans um, in my mentions or uh, you know talking shit because. Um, they hate me because I uh, am a big Nikola Jokic fan, and anybody that likes Nikola Jokic is their enemy, but also because <laughs> I have loudly complained about their two best players um, foul grifting, uh, because it, it is. I mean, uh, DeMar does some foul grifting, and I'll, I'll be honest, I don't love it when he does it either. Um, he's on my team, so I don't say much about it, but like, I, I, I just want all DeMar of is definitely of a grift game. king. I'll, yeah. I'll admit it. <laughs> Um, but like, I, it kind of balances out because Zach never gets free throw calls. <laughs> like he, Zach has to get absolutely like mauled to ever get a call. It's, it's ridiculous. I think he had double digit free throws tonight. He did. Which, which but he should have had like at least, uh, eight more. Cause there were like four different times where he just got mugged going to the rim and it was like, nope, no, no call. <laughs> and, um, yeah. So, I mean, it's not both of their star guys and Vooch is another guy that, for as much as he plays around the basket, he does not get foul calls pretty much ever. Um, but he plays with a little less force uh, at the basket than Zach does. So it makes a little bit more sense. But Zach just never gets calls. It's, it's really annoying. Um, so those are my, those are my, my things with the, the Sixers. It would, on the, the plus side, it would be really satisfying to put those bums out of, the, out of the playoffs and to have all of their fans be really mad about it because Sixers fans are uh, just, you know, one of the worst fan bases to interact with, um, despite despite me having some friends in that uh, in that group. But like the worst of the worst are just horrible. Yeah, it would. I mean, it would be absolutely hilarious to somehow. I mean, I I would not expect the Bulls to beat them. I would. Oh, as as fun as this one was tonight, like the Bulls did not play well for most of this game. It required a lot of craziness to happen to win. I would still assume against like most of these teams, the Bulls are going down in five or six. But beating the Sixers would maybe be mo- more. I don't know, like beating any of these teams would be, and they're not going to beat the Bucks, obviously. 
Like I've I've talked about how I like I would like to play Miami like beating playing the Heat and like Jimmy would be kind of fun and like beating Jimmy would be satisfying. Uh, I guess just beating the Sixers would be super satisfying because they've never beaten Embiid and just the Harden and how all that played out would be hilarious uh, for sure. Doc Rivers would probably they would probably drive Doc Rivers to retirement possibly I don't know but uh, Ricky I think you've started a movement with this though both need to play the Sixers and somehow somehow beat them. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. So looking at the schedule down the stretch on Saturday, Bulls got Miami, Tuesday, Milwaukee. We got some games coming up. (laughs) And then Friday, Charlotte, Sunday, Timberwolves, season over. So that's it for the year. Uh, Five games left now. And man, I just can't say enough about how big this win was. But it did not feel like they were playing well for the vast majority of the game, as you just said, Jason. I just saw a tweet from Doug Tonus while uh, scrolling through my timeline saying, you know, we shouldn't be celebrating Patrick Williams when he took four field goal attempts in 37 minutes of play. Hey, man, baby steps, (laughs) baby steps. (laughs) I, I agree with that. Also, you have to realize that no one is shooting the ball in the fourth quarter besides for DeMar. When DeMar gets it, everyone else is kind of just standing around watching him. I would normally complain about that sort of thing, but that has been the foundation for the Bulls' success all season. Uh, you just hope that Pat can build off this game, right? Yeah. This can well, be one thing about Pat. I wanted to, I haven't brought this up yet. We saw some Pat at the five tonight, Billy, with some uh, just like uh, for offense defense stuff. Benched Vooch went Pat at the five and put Javante at the four. 
was good to see that in some key moments. Yeah, absolutely. I think that we could for sure see more of that in the postseason. I think it would have been a big thing we would have seen throughout the regular season if Pat was healthy. Yeah. So, you know, when we had Cody on, Cody said that he thought Pat was going to be in the starting lineup by the time they played the Celtics, just to give him some size up front. That was before Robert Williams' injury, which I do think is a big game changer for Boston. But, you know, I think that Pat's going to factor into the rotation in the postseason. doesn't seem like Derek Jones is. Uh, it seems like Javante is going to get, you know, a handful of minutes. I don't know what he played tonight. I would guess he played like 15 or 20. Oh, he played pretty well, uh, consistently bringing energy. That's what I like about Javante. He's always bringing energy. And then, you know, uh, Io and Kobe still probably going to get about 20 minutes each. So you want to see Io take and make three-pointers. Like his shot has really fallen off. Since the All-Star break, so many record scratch moments over the last week. They need to get Io playing a supporting role offensively when he's off the ball because just the nature of the offense is going to have the ball in DeMar and Zach's hands so often. I did think Io gave him some juice off the dribble when he was playing point guard earlier in the game. But we know at the end of the game, like the the ball is going to be in DeMar's hands. Everyone else has to play a supporting role. So uh, would love to see fewer record scratch moments from Io, and you know, you just hope Pat builds off this. I think that's my main thing. Like, if he can turn a corner here, that would be a big, big uh, moment for the season. Yeah, I think we're getting this game. I think I don't know if he's going to start next game, but I think if Pat plays well in the next game or two, I think he's going back to the starting lineup. I, I always, I love Io. Obviously, he's been a revelation. Just not giving quite enough. The shooting has fallen off too much. Uh, the defense, I think, has fallen off a little as well. And I think just Pat, I mean, just, I think just Pat's size and just like he is I, ideally what they like need at power forward. They need, they just, the Bulls are not a big team and Pat is 6'8, six, 6'9, six, and just a guy that they is an ideal spot for that power forward position. So like, I, th- I think this, these last couple games have been really nice steps forward for him. And if, I, I, may, I don't know, like I said, we'll see if Billy starts him next game against Miami. Or what they have these other big games coming up. If he can keep building on this, I think Pat does end up starting. Uh, maybe the last couple of regular seasons game going into playoffs. Kevin, thoughts on Pat starting? Um, so I thought that it was notable that Pat started the second half, and uh, in the in the end of the first half, he had zero shot attempts, and I was kind of yeah. just like, I was freaking out a bit because I was <laughs> like, it was like so. Seeing this again with this guy, uh, who's you know he was the fourth pick, he's number four right. overall pick, and it's like we have to beg him to shoot. Um, but I thought it was notable, like he was much more aggressive attacking the glass. Um, he was you know not as afraid to shoot uh, down the stretch uh, in the second half, and that was like playing with the starters. Um, and like I think that you know, especially when the Bulls when the, when teams try to trap Demar. Um, and, and when they try to trap Zach, I mean, they, they do it more against DeMar just because we they run more offense through DeMar. But um, when they when they do that, it has to be an automatic that they kick it to uh, Vooch or um, or Caruso or whoever's like can get into the middle of the defense. Yeah. And as soon as that happens, it's got to be an automatic that Pat just cuts to the rim because that's like that is what that whole situation is, is when when. Uh, 
like it, the defense is giving you an advantage when they put two on the ball with Demar. Like they're doing it because they don't believe you can you can make them pay for it, and so you've got to, uh, you know, take advantage of that. Uh, drawing two to the ball, you know, other than scoring for yourself, drawing two to the ball is the best thing you can do as an offensive player. And if teams are going to voluntarily do that by trapping Demar, the Bulls have got to take advantage. And you know, one of the ways that they can do that is with with um, with Pat making aggressive cuts to the basket, and he did it. He did it, uh, you know, at least once tonight. But I, I would like to see them make that more of a habit when uh, Demar is getting getting trapped. Yeah, and I think building off that, I just want to see them use Pat in more creative ways than strictly as a floor spacer. I think like yeah, he does not have much confidence in his ability as a floor spacer. But you know, he had that big. Uh, that big dunk on a play where he set a screen, I think, for DeMar or Zach and dove to the basket. So, like, use him as a roller a little bit. As Kevin said, get him more aggressive on cuts. Uh, you know, there's just, like, so many other ways you can use him. I'd like to see him on the ball a little bit. I talked about this throughout the last uh, last season when the Bulls were totally hopeless and competing for nothing. Well, <laughs> now is not the point of the season where you're going to be, like, running. Yeah, you're not giving Pat on ball reps to <laughs> but I mean, that's something I want to see next year because I just think that you got to be more creative with him than to just use him as a floor spacer. Clearly, he's still working on that part of his game, and that's kind of where he's lacking confidence to this point. So, uh, yeah, just want to see him be more creative in how they're getting Pat involved. Yeah, I mean, Ricky, to, to what you were saying about, I mean, I think with Pat, he's not an advantage creator uh, with the ball in his hands at this point. But I think that like he is a guy that has enough on the ball juice to take advantage of advantage situations. So like, yeah, using him as the screener and the short roll man, like, is the thing that the Bulls definitely need to do more of because he is a good passer when he's put in situations to do that. Um, and like, I just think that getting him in the in the middle of the floor with uh, shooters around him, um, again with teams putting two on the ball to stop Demar, like I don't see why you wouldn't do that um, especially because Pat's mid-range game is pretty good and if you get him um, either passing the ball in the short roll or uh, giving him a launch pad to, to dunk on people like he did to uh, Zubac uh, tonight or no it was Hartenstein that he dunked on um, like you've got to give him opportunities to to get those kind of reps in because that involves him in the offense and like it, you can't let him float. And um, if you don't involve him in the action, he has shown that he'll float. Yeah. I mean, there were a lot of times where it even felt like there were times I had people in my mentions complaining today about like guys, not almost like, I don't want to say freezing him out, but like he'd be in the corner and like, maybe it would be open, but like just not getting him the looks. So like, and he doesn't seem like a guy where he's going to go like demand the ball. So like they definitely do I feel like do have to do more stuff to get him involved and like not rely on him to do stuff. Uh so it was nice to see some of the stuff we saw at the end of the game. As we've said here, hopefully they can build on him on this going forward. It looks like he got a podium game tonight. I got the NBC Sports Chicago uh post game on right now and he was just at the podium. So that's nice to see. Like I said, hopefully build some confidence there. Stacey King loves talking about how this, this game's all about confidence. Hopefully this does build his confidence after uh, he's coming back. It hasn't done that much. The last couple games have been a lot better. So uh, hopefully we'll finally see him 
really step up here. I mean, because they need him. I mean, with, with, I was gonna, we haven't talked about Lonzo Ball yet, and I did want to bring up Lonzo. There was a Lonzo Ball update today that he is ramping up again, whatever that means. There was like nothing actually like concrete. It was basically just he had his 10 days off from running. Now he's going to try to get back into running. I'm still under the assumption that Lonzo is not going to be back. So if he is not, like that makes Pat even more important that he's going to have to be, uh, he's going to have to make plays. He's going to have to make an impact. And I know it's really tough to ask him of that. My expectations for him coming back here have been pretty low. But if Lonzo is not back, that makes Pat even more important. So hopefully he can build on this. What do you, what do you guys think about like Lonzo? Are you guys all both of the assumption that he is done for the season? Do you, are you, do you think he'll be back? Uh, that whole situation has obviously been super unfortunate with him. The one thing I'll say is that Billy, I think a couple of weeks ago when they originally shut him down for 10 days said like, if he does come back and if he's able to go, they can ramp him up pretty quickly. I think that Lonzo's game, uh, at least offensively, you know, it's sort of like three point line to three point line. So I do think there's a scenario where he could possibly come back, but like, it's all about how healthy he's feeling with the bone bruise. And there's no way to have real insight into that, right? Like only Lonzo yeah. know how he's feeling with the bone bruise. So I'm going to say, I'm not like writing it off. I, I'm not, like mega optimistic about it, but very much in a wait and see approach. And uh, if he does come back, I'm going to expect him to return at a relatively high level. If he does take the floor. Yeah. I mean, um, just a, I, I feel pretty much the same way. It's impossible to really know how Lonzo feels. Um, but so we, we just won't know that until like, I, I think if he comes back, we'll kind of find out that he's coming back. Like, a day or two before or maybe day of like i don't think we're going to have a lot of advance notice uh that he's going to be back um and then i i think that he is such a seamless fit with the the top six guys like i mean he's part of the top six guys but he's such a seamless fit with the other five guys that make up the bulls top uh five and he's really the missing piece of you know what made uh from what made them like a really good team earlier in the year besides Demar, you know, his God level like shot making. The thing that made them good was that he and Caruso were so disruptive and got them out in transition. And it was like a, a positive feedback loop. Like they got scores in transition uh, because they, and because of those scores, other teams had to go against their set defense, which made things easier for their defense. And, you know, it was just kind of a virtuous cycle. Um, I don't see why, if he's coming back, why he wouldn't be able to still do that. He's not a guy that relies a ton on athleticism. Um, so I wouldn't be too worried about it. Uh, but, you know, we just don't – we won't know. I'm I'm trying to be optimistic about him potentially coming back. And if he does come back, like, I feel a little bit better about their chances to upset one of these top four seeds. But um, without Lonzo, I, I just – I'm very dubious. Yeah, and Shane mentioned here in the comments just how Lonzo has a pulse from the three-point line. And I tweeted this during the game, and obviously the Bulls won this game tonight, but it is just so hard to beat really good teams. The way the Bulls, just their three-point shooting right now is just has been such a struggle uh, for the since Lonzo's been out. Lonzo takes seven, eight threes a game, hits 40% from three, and tonight they were, I think, 10 of 29. They had a really rough stretch. Like, Vooch hit a couple threes to start. Really rough stretch in the middle of the game. They, a couple guys hit some threes late. 
to get to this res- more respectable 10 29. But the Bulls just, they don't take many threes without Lonzo. They, I mean, they didn't even take that many with him, but especially without him, they're like worse in the league in terms of attempts, in terms of makes. And it's just so hard to beat really good teams when you're taking so few three pointers in this modern NBA. I mean, against, yeah, I mean, you just need to be able to, I mean, the Clipper, it's a miracle the Bulls won this game with the Clippers shooting. Uh, I think they made 16 threes, 15 or 16 threes, shooting like 45%. It's, I mean, that's just like a testament to DeMar and his shot making, scoring 50 points to beat a team that shot 50% overall and made 15, 16 threes, uh, at the clip that they did. It's just so tough because before tonight, the Bull, the only win the, Bull, the wins the Bulls have gotten recently have been teams that just, have been bricking from three. Like the Wizards shot bad from three. That Raptors win, they shot awful from three. Uh, the Cavs game, they were awful from three. So like the Bulls just can't really compete with like any of these teams in three-point shooting. And it's just so hard to beat. You can beat a team, whatever. If they sh- Some variance games where if they shoot really poorly, you can win. But like, like I said, tonight it's ridiculous that they won this game with the, with the Clippers shooting so well. And going into the playoffs, whoever you're facing, like – it's going to be really tough if you don't have Lonzo adding that, adding those couple three pointers per game. And just like in terms of coming back from games or in, ter- in terms of like building big leads with three point shooting, it's just really hard to do when you don't shoot that many, you don't make that many. And they really do miss Lonzo in that regard. And it's really tough. And so like in terms of Lon- yeah, in terms of Lonzo, like I said, I have been pretty skeptical about him coming back for a while now. Just feel like these setbacks keep happening. Uh, but hopefully. Like I said, they, they said they're they're not going to rule him out. Even if he, I, at this point, I don't see how he can be, come back for the regular season. But like, if he comes back, and even even if he's on like a minutes restriction, if he can play 20, 20, 25 minutes a game, or, or even more than that, maybe like, and get up some three pointers, play some defense, he's he is just a huge glue guy for this team on both ends of the court, and it would make them at least more competitive. Uh, we should probably wrap up, but one thing I wanted to say before we, before we end it, Rob Schaefer tweeted this out from the press conference. Uh, Billy Donovan said DeMar apologized to him for missing the potential game winning <laughs> at the end of regulation. Donovan responded by saying the Bulls wouldn't have been in overtime without DeMar's contributions. And then Rob responds to it and says, DeRozan on missing last free throw in regulation, quote, it felt like a bomb went off inside my head. <laughs> frustrated with myself. DeMar's just been, uh, he, he's just such a joy in so many ways. I mean, he, he's just added so much color to the team. And, uh, he's had so many great performances this year, and this was right up there with any of them. I mean, this legitimately might have been his best game of the season. Yeah, so. we I, we were semi-critical of him on, like, our last pod he's in terms of his, like, March, so. Yeah. I mean, just like in terms of him, yeah, Tim, he, he kind of dipped in March. The ISO DeMar, like the hero ball, he can be kind of a ball hog sometimes, but like he's just been so good where it's like, whatever, man, like go for it. Like at this point, you are like, we talk about living and dying by DeMar. Like he's probably earned that at this point. So like there are times where it's definitely frustrating if he's not pa- passing to open guys, but like he's been so good in fourth quarters, so good in crunch time where it's like, I guess like I'll, where I'll accept it, and ultimately they will probably end up d- dying by that at some point, and just because they can't play good enough defense to stop really good teams, and they're just not as talented. But like, uh, I Demar has been just an incredible, a revelation this season, way better than we could have ever expected. So like, whatever critiques we have of Demar Derozan and how he's been ball hogging or like his defense, obviously has not been very good the last few months. But like, 
DeMar DeRozan has added probably a good 10 to 15 wins to this to this franchise this season, getting them back to the playoffs. They're going to win in the high 40s this season. They're going to be in the playoffs. So DeMar has been awesome. And tonight was just another awesome performance for DeMar. So, yeah. I got I got a, a, a tweet uh, that has a, a good stat for you guys to, to close it out on. Uh, so from this is from Justin Rousseau uh, at Fly By Night. Said the Clippers entered the fourth quarter with a 10-point lead. They had won 107 consecutive regular season games and 119 overall when leading by double digits entering the fourth. That streak is now over. <laughs> so they had basically it was almost impossible for the Clippers to lose when they have a 10-point lead going. And I mean the, the Clippers have been like the, the comeback team this year. They, they I think they've won what like four games this year when they're down 20 or 25. They, they came back in the, the Jazz the other night down 25. Like they are the comeback team. And clearly, as you, the study just pointed out, they don't give up leads. So to pull that off. Uh, it's huge. I know Paul George did not play in overtime. That's it's interesting that Ty Lue was actually actually I don't know if we brought this up yet. Ty Lue actually stuck to the Paul George minutes restriction and did not play him in overtime. I think at all. I think he was benched for all of overtime because he had already played 32 minutes. So I guess kudos for Ty Lue to actually for actually sticking to that. So that was also the, another break. That, but, uh, Jason, is that uh, I was going to just say the thing with that I think is that they can't really improve their their seating. So yes, yeah, right, they, exactly. They're they're, they're going to be in the play. Them. They're in the plan. They're basically seven or eight uh, in the seven eight matchup. So like, good. For, Ty Lue's obviously a great coach. Smart for him to not push Paul George too far. Obviously helped the Bulls tonight, and I'll I'll take it. <laughs> All right, Jace, you can sign it off if you want. Yeah, if, unless, if anyone else want has any comments, thank you for the people who, who did comment. Kevin, obviously, always loved you. Uh, your takes, your insight here, but uh, great Bulls win tonight. A lot of fun. Finally, a game that was not fun for the first, again, like 40, 45 minutes. It was mostly complaining. The Clippers looked like the far better team almost all night uh, before the Bulls were finally able to pull off a big comeback. And it, it really nice to just have a fun game like this uh, after that road trip. After the, I mean, the Bulls have been one of the worst teams in the NBA since the All-Star break and just not that many fun Good vibes wins. So to get one like that tonight was really huge. Going into Miami, we got the Heat on Saturday. The Bulls have struggled against the Heat all season, struggled against all these other top contenders. Uh, so hope maybe we'll hopefully we'll get a competitive game at the United Center on their home court. The, the, the last time the Bulls and Heat played earlier this season, it was a good game. It was close. The Heat ended up winning. Hopefully Gabe Vincent or Max Struess doesn't go for like 25 points like both of those guys have been doing, just killing the Bulls all season. Uh, hopefully they'll find the Bulls will finally be able to get a win. So we got a bunch of good, good games coming up. We got Heat, we got Bucks, we got Celtics, we got Hornets, we got Timberwolves to close the season. So a lot of fun games coming up. Thank you for everybody for listening. Uh, as always, shout out to the Blue Iron Network. Uh, we will have this pod- podcast up later. So if you came in later or whatever, we'll have this uh, podcast up on our feed later. Um, and our next pod will probably come sometime next week after the Heat game. And then I don't even remember what other days these games are. But thank you very much for listening. Huge Bulls win tonight. We will talk to you guys later. Take it easy. And uh, go Bulls. Bulls. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.